because it's not about picking apart yourself. It's about the radical honesty you're willing to have in your most vulnerable of moments. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, I'm so excited for today's episode because we are talking to the Riley June. I did on purpose try to rhyme there. Okay. <laughs> we are talking about anxiety. But we're going to talk about anxiety on a very different scope versus what we're used to hearing, especially if you are a chronic illness warrior. We are, you know, sometimes you hear anxiety and you're like, I'm not like clinically anxious, but I get the runs if I have a stressful situation. Okay, that's anxiety. I get constipated when I have to give a big speech. I have nausea or I get a migraine or I get total full-blown like inflammation, joints, all that stuff. This is what's happening to me. My friends, that is signs of anxiety and that is anxiety showing up in your body. And the reason why I wanted Riley on, on the show today is because we're going to talk about it, like I said, a little bit differently. I want tangible takeaways. And the, answer, and the question that we're going to answer today, one of many, but a main one is the mother wound and how is being a mom and having a chronic illness how does that all relate back to how we're actually able to still take care of ourselves still show up for yourself while actually coexisting with anxiety and having it show up in your life so this is going to be spicy i know it is I'm spicy, Riley spicy. Riley, introduce yourself. Let's go. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited and grateful to be here with you today, Jenna. And obviously this episode is going to be fire because just a little behind the scenes, her and I have been jumping in and out of when this call was supposed to be for the last two weeks. And we couldn't figure out until like even two myself weeks. yesterday. We all ju no, we jumped on this call at different times. We we're like, no, I, we just really need to get this out to the world. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am so pumped for this. So I'll give a bit of an introduction of who I am. And then like, I really just want to dig into this because this is such a powerful yeah. topic that I think really gets overlooked in the way that I'm just really feeling led to approach it today. And we'll also give so much insight as to just some of the the core whys to why you struggle with even taking care of yourself, why that discipline and that habit constantly gets put on the back burner, why your rage gets out of control when your kids aren't doing as something as listening. Like kids literally are designed to not listen. We are designed to give them more grace and show them how to listen. And so we're going to get into all that today. But with that being said, my name is Riley June. I am grateful to each and every one of you who is tuning in and listening into this episode today. I am the anxiety coach. My primary focus with anxiety is the mental, emotional, and spiritual faith-led approach to helping you to navigate, understand, and gain control of your anxiety. And then obviously, Jetta is an incredible element to that because you can't heal your anxiety if you don't heal the body. So we're going to really get into this with all of you guys today. I'm excited and pumped. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. Let's just get into it. So the mother wound, right? Because there's been so much excitement between you and I, and we're like, this is going to get out into the world, right? We're both moms, right? We both are, we both have online practices or online businesses, right? So everything is online, right? And we run our lives slightly different, 
versus the crowd, right? And I consider I consider myself a leader in the gut health industry, and I personally consider you as a leader in the anxiety field because, like I said, there's so many people talking about anxiety, but I feel like not many speak about it how you do. So let's just start this conversation. Yeah, so I think the first place it's a, like a really powerful spot to start is Uh, I'm going to context this for a minute. And it was that when I started doing all this work online, I literally started because my husband went through some severe chronic illnesses around his heart and led him into all these circumstances where, thank God, miracles occurred. But there was this point where the doctors kept sending us home to heal. And I always thought that healing meant you break an arm, it's time. You just got to wait with your cast on. And it's like, It'll just make itself better. Your body knows how to repair itself. It's just hyper intelligent. But what I didn't realize was that there's an emotional and a mental and a spiritual level to healing. And of course, a very obvious physical one that isn't so obvious because it's not talked about appropriately most times in the industries. That's where you come in, thank God. Uh, But with that being said, I wanted to explore what they even meant by that. And so I ended up taking a more new age approach to healing, which taught me something that became such a foundational core component to understanding anxiety. Not only did I take a new age approach to learning about energy and how our emotions affect the body and our mind and our mentalities and our belief systems and so on and so forth, but I also studied cognitive behavioral therapy because I knew that simultaneously how we show up is also the approach to how we do everything else. And so one of the things that I learned in New Age was that what we experience, how we perceive it, how we live it, how we behave within it, that's fine, yeah, and what we do about everything, literally picking anything, and that's going to be the case as I literally feed my child pop so we can do this episode together. This is real life, and this is not getting edited (laughs) because this is real life, and this is Literally just today, I had someone, we have a connection call and one of the things is like, oh, I have a two-year-old and or two and a half-year-old and is it okay if like she comes and like disrupts us? And I'm like, it's it's not disruption, but yes, obviously, yes, we're human, we're living lives yep. and we're moms, which is why this episode, yep. this is why this episode exists. Ah, okay. <laughs> and I got four of them. So yeah. with that being said, one of the things that I learned was that everything we do is based off of our mothers. And so, of course, there's elements and components to dad and the the strength and the courage and the tenacity and resilience. But children regulate their emotions and their behaviors based off of mom. So if you lived in an environment that was already technically unstable or unhealthy or or genuinely unhealthy, and your mother was also emotionally and mentally and physically unhealthy, as children, we grow up to adopt that because we don't have that safety to regulate our emotions, right? Everyone goes, oh, my kids don't listen and they're always throwing tantrums. And, you know, if you are genuinely addressing things like the gut, then it really is just that kids regulate off emotion off of the mom. So when they're having tantrums, they actually need you sitting on the floor. Even if they don't want you holding them, they need you sitting near them. And so I grew up with a mom who didn't do that. She was an emotional avoider. So communication was a huge thing that I had to grow up and learn for myself as well as neutralizing my own emotions. So, <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Beautiful. I love it. So when we're growing up, 
we typically tend to beat ourselves up because we're angry at ourselves or our kids or getting mad at ourselves or how we look in the mirror or we can't figure out why we just can't commit to the habit changes. But it's not because you can't do something. It's because you were never modeled or taught that and you don't have the security mechanism built in to be able to actually handle it. So you've learned out of a survival mode to go on to just adopt or create whatever what was, was going to keep you safest in the moment. And from zero to seven years old, we create the ways in which we express our emotions and we understand how to hold space for our emotions, even if we don't have that language or dialogue. When we are from eight to 15 years old, we learn how to integrate those emotions and that ability with other people and adjust accordingly. So if you never had that foundational stability growing up, your anxiety around your emotions are typically going to be through the roof when there's especially ever any form of change, or if you ever want to create or create change in your life or transform something like weight loss or healing or becoming more empowered or confident. I don't know if all of the listeners right now, if we all know my story, but a big key part of my story is that from zero to three years old, I was totally, completely abandoned, emotional, literally left on the street, kept a secret, right? All that stuff, right? And a lot of people, and this is something that I recently talked about on my Instagram, and I actually posted like a, I, I call it dark humor. And it was a reel that was like, oh no, honey, it was ruined when she bought it, right? And in that reel, I say like, I used to be so angry. I used to be so angry at the fact that I would get mad or angry if someone told me, yes, but then like this event happened and then I started having these symptoms. I'm like, oh my God, how dare you? You have a starting point. I never had a starting point because all these things that happened to me was completely out of my my control, out of out of you, right? So there was nothing that I could say like, oh yes, at this point, it was this stressful event or it was this birth, right? Because as moms, we also have after birth, a lot of things happen, a lot of hormonal fluctuations happen, a lot of that stuff happens. And so I would get so mad until I understood, and, and truly this was after I had kids, right? And my kids are four and two, so this wasn't very recent, that I was like, you know what? What I realized is that this can happen to anybody and that it was still out of their control. It was still out of, right? Because what our moms do, what the environment that we grow, grew up in is not necessarily in our control, especially as children, right? And to connect these dots too, from zero to six years old, your gut is, is developing at a very, very fast rate. How to introduce foods is very important for the gut development. There is very ideal bacteria that we are born with that is supposed to come down after three years old and then again at six and then again at nine. And our gut is consistently changing, but from zero to six is the biggest development. Okay. And so with that being said, right, for all the things, right? So from, from zero to six years old, we just went through such a big neurological function, right? And if something had happened to you in those years, and now you are an adult, and you're like, something did happen, and then that also caused a some sort of nutrition displacement or a absorption rate issue, right? And now you're an adult and you're like, this, this event actually is what caused 
XYZ symptoms. But when we think about this, and again, this is why this is why this episode is here. When we're thinking about, hey, this event happened. No, that event is what amplified all the things that have happened before. Now, the reason why those events amplify our body is because it's just it's just like like a ripple effect, right? So one one drop ripple effect, right? More drops, more ripple effects, right? And so that event, whatever it may be, right, is the same thing. And that was really honestly what got me to have my own inner peace and especially being with my kids, being with my kids and, you know, going through this life and going through this world that we're living in where like it's okay to give Doritos to like a one-year-old and I'm like, no, it's not, right? Like that's the world that we live in and that's my current anxiety, if you will, right? Which that's a whole thing more than itself. But those are the things, right? And so again, coming coming back to to that 1000%. So I wanted, I wanted to connect the dots there because if we're thinking about zero to six years old, there's also zero to six year old gut development. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly love stories like this because it really helps us to understand that there are legitimate, tangible things to help us to understand what's going on versus always being stuck in our head around the memories of what the cause was. So even if these things did occur in your life, there's still science that helps you to understand that you can actually, in fact, reverse it. But the number one thing, or I want to say that there's two things you have to absolutely adopt, and it's the radical self-accountability and responsibility to take charge of that. And two, actually making the decision that regardless of how you feel in the moment, you're going to stick with it, which really go hand in hand. Because you can say, okay, I'm going to change my life. But if you don't become accountable to that and you don't decide on that every single day, you're going to have so many days where you fall short of it. And I think that within this, we also do need to bring back this aspect of recognizing that there are things that are just bad for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like drinking copious amounts of alcohol to numb your anxiety is bad for you. Feeding your kids Doritos, that is bad for you. Um, Like like it is. It's it's not a it's not an opinion. It really is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that, you know, the, within this industry, there's also a lot of people who want to try and minimize that to say, well, you know, but how do you feel about it? But when we don't have black and white things to go off of, like a green light is go and a red light is stop, we dilute our own experiences because then we start to question, well, why do I have such a negative self-talk about how I look when I just felt this way today and I just did this thing out of these feelings was like you can feel that way and acknowledge it and acknowledge that what you're doing to cope with it is still in fact bad and harming you but when we keep trying to pull that apart and make it light and fluffy then we don't actually get the severity and the reality of what we are in fact doing like one of the things I had to come to terms with with my anxiety because of lack of knowing how to communicate and lack of knowing how to process. So I would avoid my anxiety, well, my emotions, which caused me anxiety, was that I would binge eat. I would go in the closet. I would eat high amounts of sugar. I would pretend like I wasn't taking snacks before dinner. I would stop at McDonald's before I'd get home for dinner. And I would always tell myself, well, this it's just this, it's only $5. It's only a cheeseburger. It's only a couple extra chocolate bars. And sugar was always my go-to or high fatty fried foods. And when I would just say, well, I just, this is just helping me right now. I'm just, it's helping me feel better. 
it wasn't because I was gaining weight. My body was so bogged down. I was struggling with focus. My anger would get escalated. And then if I'm not actually acknowledging that what I'm doing is in fact sabotaging and harming my body and, and actually the ripple effect is harming my life because my kids aren't learning appropriately. And then my anger and frustration or avoidance is getting not only taught to them, but then taken out on them. That's not helping them either. So then I'm creating an unstable environment. And so when I started taking radical responsibility and accountability, I want to even say honesty over how I was showing up and what I was dealing with, I didn't know in the beginning when I was like, okay, like this has to change. I am not available to continue this cycle and this pattern. I didn't know that a lot of it stemmed from my mom. I didn't know that it was because of the terrible food choices I was making. I didn't realize that what I was doing was a coping mechanism. But because I took accountability, honesty, and responsibility over how I was showing up, I then went on to learn to hire the people, to get the testing, to receive the mentorship, to get the, the approaches needed and necessary. Not all of them worked, but a lot of them taught me a lot of things that led me to knowing what worked. And that really helped me to then have the language and have the understanding and have the knowledge as to not only what I was actually doing, but how I could, in fact, improve. And that was really important because I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We live in a world where everybody's got the pills and the quick fixes and this like hyperinflated, like living on rainbow cloud. I'm just going to live my best life and heal and it's going to be great. But we don't talk about the, the heavy sides of this. We do see a lot of this more now, but some of that is just radical honesty about what you, in fact, are doing that is sabotaging yourself in your life. This is the perfect time to talk about a very important, pivotal moment that I think most of my clients and I have is that through all the things that, because from so much being gaslit at professionals, from so much of the feeling of you have to prove yourself because everybody else thinks you're crazy type of deal, because of that, there has to be exactly how you said some radical responsibility. And I will tell you what, I recently had someone say, I actually am addicted to sugar and I know my problem. So I don't think doing a lab test, a functional lab test is going to help me. And I said, OK, well, have you had like lab tests done? And I, that's my thought process. And I'm like, oh, maybe this person has had lab tests done. And like, that's why. Right. Like, that's my, you know, thing right like that's my thought process i'm talking to to this person and they're like no like it just i know it's parasites i know that it's candida i know that it's this and i said okay what are your symptoms and she listed out her symptoms bloating white tongue all that stuff yes very true very absolutely true i'm not dismissing those okay but i said have you ever gotten a Dutch test? Have you ever gotten a GI stool map test? Have you ever gotten a, a HTMA test? She's like, no, I've I've never really heard of those. And I said, okay, cool. I'm actually going to email you all this information on each one of these tests. Okay. And she came back about three months later and she's like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm deciding to do the HTMA test. I just think like it fits the best. And I said, this is hand to God, a true story. And I said, what made you change your mind? And she's like, well, I didn't realize that a lot of the things, like even if I did have the strong cravings for sugar, 
I still didn't realize that this could actually be like root cause and that it really can be my anxiety. And I said, oh, okay. I said, yeah, sure, 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 right? So we did the HTMA test and her results came back and I asked her, is she gluten-free? And there was a lot of other, based on her results, I saw that she could have been gluten-free, dairy-free. She could have been doing elimination diets and all that stuff. And I said, well, here's the deal. You could be doing extremes, but that's not going to work. That's not even going to work. You want to do extremes. That's not going to work until you stop delaying the inner work, right? You stop, you stop doing that. And so we got on the interpretation call. And the interpretation call was also very interesting because this person was not willing to talk about anything. Like just a very stone cold person, right? And I'm like, that's fine, right? Like I don't, I don't expect everybody to be like this like like nonstop talkative human, like, hey, ask me a question and I will literally answer you, right? Like, I don't expect that. And I I wasn't even like that until like 10 years ago, until, until I started feeling better. I started being like that as well, right? And so with all that to say, right, we did the interpretation call and we're going through the results. And she's like, so you really think that if I have like a diverse diet and I heal my gut, I'm going to stop feeling this intense need of eating sugar. And I said, yeah, because you're going to help your anxiety that you feel around food because your food relationship, your self-relationship, it's going to get better, right? And she just, her mind was blown. She was like, wow, right? And that is that, that is that, that is that. Yes, absolutely. You can continue saying, no, this is who I am. But is it? And I say this wholeheartedly, no judgment pass, nothing like that. I am no one on this earth. I am all but a grain of salt on this earth, okay? But I mean this wholeheartedly that if you're not real with yourself and if you're not like, man, I'm sick of being sick and tired, take that next step and understand if it is a mother wound, if it is abandonment issues, hi, hello, if it is all these issues, help yourself, please help yourself. And this is something before I hit record, I started talking about because this is me and Riley is that we are so learned and I would love to talk to talk about this here. We are so used to saying if we take care of ourselves and, and I want this also on a religious background, too, because a lot of people think of this as like, this is selfish. If we take if I take care of myself, if I put myself first or second, right? If I do that, then I am selfish and that I am not obedient to my husband. I am not this. I am not that. Right. All these things to my kids, my husband, my uh, whatever. Right. Is that true? And how do we work around that? Because because keeping your body at homeostasis, filling up your cup, taking care of you. This is basic needs. It is next to it falls under the same category as food and shelter. Okay, so I am absolutely obsessed with this topic. We're going to get into all the things. So first, I want to say that 
it's actually more common for people to not want to talk about the things that they struggled with in childhood or how their mom was or how their dad was because they don't want to show disingenuine acts of anger towards them, right? Or or genuine acts of anger towards them. They don't want to demean or, them. They don't want to talk down to them. Yes, a big dishonor, right? Because that's, I was yeah. raised like that, right? So I'm Romanian through and through, all right? And there's a very small Romanian community here in Michigan and like, I know some people are just baffled. They're like mind blown at the things I'm saying on this podcast because I am saying, you know, like, yeah, my parents aren't perfect. And yeah, I had cousins that didn't treat me right. And, you know, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm acknowledging that. And like, that is part of my story. Not belittling it, not anything. But like, yeah, it is scary because the biggest thing that was ever taught to me besides all the other things. But one of the things is you never, you never go against your family's name. And that's a really big one for people who aren't even necessarily ingrained with that. They feel a sense of deep guilt because they actually grew up to realize that, well, the reason my mom or dad did this to me was because they didn't know better. And so they deeply empathize or they feel really bad about how their parents then grew up, which then creates this construct of, well, I can't address what happened in my childhood because I don't want to even speak words of, of resentment towards them. But the problem is, is that you feel that anyways, and not talking about it actually breeds more of it because you are not allowing yourself the space to genuinely process what you are thinking and how you are feeling. And that's not disingenuous or rude or terrible or neglectful to your parents. It's just honoring actually where you are. And think about it like this. And this was something that really radically shifted for me because I struggled with talking about my relationship with avoidance of emotions and communication because of my parents, because they literally binge my social media every day. And so talking about these things is Thanks, really Mom. hard for me. Yeah, even still, because I know that they're literally going to watch it. So I did have to learn how to approach it in a way publicly. When I'm in session with like my therapist or my coaches, I'm like, okay, game on, open doors, here we go. Also wasn't always the case, but I've learned to have more grace with that. So with that being said, all the times they couldn't talk about that either. And now what you're actually doing is breaking that cycle and giving that permission to, even if your parents don't hear it, especially if they don't hear it, you're breaking a generational cycle that's going to inevitably impact them uh, energetically and spiritually to hopefully feel like they can. Because when you show up to family functions and you're nicer to them and you're more yeah. graceful to them and you're more loving towards them and they ask why, Yes. You're going to probably have to somehow dance around what it is you started dealing with and navigating within yourself. And even if they're angry, you're going to think about that when they're going to bed at night. And yes. eventually, as they continue to see your progress and transformation, they're going to be able to not deny the fact that maybe something is in fact working. My one-year-old decided to this join is us here. So, hello. Hello. Yes, absolutely. This goes for the same, the same exact thing on what happens before we do before or not even before, but after we're done doing the elimination diets, after we're done spending like $300, $400 a month on supplement regimens, right? The same thing happens. 
So many people are going to be upset at you. So many people are going to be like, she's changed like good, I hope, right? Like all those things, right? And you're going to feel lonely. You will. I felt very lonely when I actually started being consistent with my gut health. Fun fact, this is why moving to Spain was actually so easy for me, was because I was so alone here mentally, physically, like my best friend, my best friends were my coworkers and my boss. Hand to God, right? Those were my best friends because everybody else around me, including my parents, they're like, what's what's going on with you? Like, why? Like, why? Why are you all of a sudden calm? Why are you not talking back? Why are you not sticking up for, you know, whatever X, Y, Z, right? And it was like, you know what? I just kind of created a better boundaries, you know, but boundaries for for my emotions, not necessarily for the things that I do, but because because that was not it. But it was better for my emotions, right? And and stemming from that, I think I I think I can talk on on behalf of a lot of chronic illness warriors is that when we do decide to stop playing victimhood, and we are talking about the pain and the trauma and things like that, I think I said this before in another episode, but I'm going to say it again. It gets worse before it gets better. You're going to literally feel fatigued. You're literally going to like be like, what What am I doing? This is the wrong thing. I thought healing is supposed to be butterflies and rainbows and sunshine, right? And it's not at first. And then it continues getting better. And in that realm of family and worry, worrying about what your family is going to think and worrying about going against the grain, I'm all about going against the grain. And again, my mom had a very, very big impact on me and on the way I continue to go is because my mom was like, no, we're not going to eliminate anything from her diet because she's been malnourished for the first three years of her life, right? And so for for her, it was like, what do you mean, right? We When we went to the pediatrician and I was I was almost four years old, I'd never seen a pediatrician until I was four years old. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, there's something going on with her, but could be her liver, could be her kidneys, it could be, but there's definitely something going on. And they were like, you should take out eggs and you should take out dairy. And I was like, no, right? And so with that being said, she always was the person that was like, we're not going to do elimination diets. We're not going to do anything crazy. Whatever will be, will be. And this is, that's still how she is. She's still how she is. And my mom is the kind of person, like, since we're talking about mom wounds, my per- my mom is the type of person she will tell you so directly to your face exactly verbatim what she's thinking that it hurts sometimes. Like my mom does not know how to like talk in a very elegant way. Like if if something is happening or you know the world is crashing down or whatever, she'll be like blah 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 blah. Like she'll be be so direct, right? And so again talking talking about then how you speak to yourself and how you speak to others, right? You literally like catch that you literally grasp that right our kids are watching us right how we talk how we eat how all these things and so when you do begin to heal whatever healing means for you that's why you break generational traumas not because you're changing like you're changing your whole family dynamic or anything like that it's that just it's a natural again these are all natural things that happen exactly how you caught on to other things that's how your kids are are catching on so you might as well heal Oh my goodness. So many things. Like, do we have seven hours for this podcast episode? 
Like, guys, buckle up, and I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> we don't have seven, but <laughs> maybe round two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to do a part two. So there's two things that I want to add on to that that I think are really valuable. And and oh, there's so many things. Okay, so here's the first one. So I want to go back to this religious aspect because there's two ways to really look at this. A lot of people say, so let's say the the less religious people are the ones who rebuke religion. They say that I don't want to, or I'm not of faith, or I don't believe in religion for whatever reasons that they have. Okay. But religion isn't about faith per se. Religion is a ritual. It is how you do everything. So even if you don't have a faith in God or Buddha or Allah or whoever, you have a faith in something. It's yourself. It's your future. It's your kids. It's your job. It's your paycheck. And you build habits, rituals around how you deal with and navigate that. I wasn't a faith-led spiritual person until I started healing. You want to interject something? That's gold. Religion <laughs> isn't like, like we are, it's so true. It is so true. I love that. that that's what I wanted to say. That's gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it because. Like, so I wasn't always this like God inspired, Jesus loving person. I mean, I grew up Catholic with quotation marks around that. Go to church on Sunday, basically. And it never meant anything to me. I didn't understand it. The context was very hypocritical. So I get why people say, oh, well, I rebuke religion. Like, that's not for me. But we're all religious. Like the foundational principles of psychology are religion. Everyone had a faith in something, whether it was a golden calf or Moses on the mountain, or God in the sky. Like, you can say you don't, but you in fact do. So, like, that's going to be another level of dismantling. With that being said, what led me to God, and particularly Jesus, was that I needed that radical honesty with myself, and I wasn't going to do it if I was held to my own standard. So I cheated in past relationships, and that was a big thing that I used to avoid dealing with conflicts and communicating, period. So my anxiety would go through the roof and I would tend to find ways to sabotage the person or my relationship because I didn't know how to talk. And when I started to go through healing, I realized that if I keep holding myself to my same standard, I'm always going to do that like pat yourself on the back kind of thing where it's like, well, I cheated, but I don't do that anymore. But my problem was that a big component around communication was I had so much guilt because of how I treated this person in the past that if I didn't have a standard greater than my own, I wasn't going to be honest with the fact that I needed to actually come to terms with forgiveness. And if you're dealing with resentment and forgiveness issues, you can't forgive someone else if you don't understand you're forgiven. And if you've done something, even if it was a byproduct of survivalism, you're not going to just feel like you deserve forgiveness. And what turned me to Jesus was that I realized that God sent him to this earth to pay for the things that we inherently do that aren't good. If you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever put another God before him, if you've ever coveted someone's things, so you've ever been like, oh, you know, that person's a POS because they have this perfect fall decoration and I can't afford this, right? There's jealousy behind that tone. We do this subconsciously all the time. It's why we excessively spend all the time. So if you don't have a greater standard, you're not going to look at yourself directly in the mirror. You're going to come at it from the side. You're going to put your makeup on and say, I'm beautiful today. I don't need to deal with this acne or these blemishes or these scars. It's like, 
No, you need to be able to stare yourself in the mirror, butt naked with no makeup on. Because it's not about picking apart yourself. It's about the radical honesty you're willing to have in your most vulnerable of moments. And God literally paved the way for that, right? It's like when you get a speeding ticket and you go to the judge, when you go to the judge and say, okay, so I know we're here because I sped and I got this fine, but let me tell you about the good things I did. He's going to say, great, but that's not why we're here. You committed a crime. But Jesus paid that fine. And so when someone pays the fine, the judge can legally let us go. And that's what he did for us. So when I learned that, remember, I went through no faith, spirituality, you know, everything is. I was always seeking some sort of validation wherever I could get it. In Jesus, the only validation is what God says. And to your point about religion and putting ourselves first is there's a particular verse. I, I'm going to be honest. I had to look this up. I don't know exactly where it is, but I knew exactly what it was. So in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it talks about, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And this just Re like- Repeat that. Goosebumps. Repeat that. Repeat okay. that one more time, a little bit slower, because this is so important we're the chronic illness warriors and that why it is so important to align with values and morals and who also serves you. Yes. Oh, I have like full body like chills right now. So 1 Corinthians 9 27 and, and I want to give a slight context to this or I'll say it first and then I'll give context to this. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We can't expect our kids to do better if we truly are not doing our best. We can't be coaches or be best wives or be our best selves if we are not showing up to do our best. And in Corinthians, this particular book, is all about Paul sending letters. So Paul, by the way, used to be Saul. Saul was a man who would go around persecuting and killing um, Christians. And when Jesus revealed himself to him, he made Saul blind. And by a miracle, he gave him back sight to see the Lord and see the grace and mercy that God truly does offer us. And Paul went on to be a minister, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is sending letters back to Corinthians, a place that was littered with people idolatrizing and just committing so many acts of sexual immorality to fulfill something. And this town, this, well, it wasn't a town, the city was full of people who were chronically ill, mentally, emotionally, physically, and they were seeking things of the world to fulfill themselves. How many times do you find yourself in a closet binge eating or at a McDonald's getting more than you should or excessively spending or getting mad. Like these are, we're trying to fulfill something. And as an athlete, you have to discipline, you have to become sharp, which means that in order to do that, you have to shed paradigms, beliefs, emotional, emotions, physical traits that you have that are keeping you away from achieving your goal. Maybe you don't get first place, but it's the process you have to learn to become refined in. And when you don't have God or something greater than you to lean on when you 
are in your weakest moments, when you don't want to get the hell out of bed, when you don't want to eat the the properly cooked foods, when you don't want to um, give up binging on gluten and dairy because it was used to be comforting, though we realize it's not in the aftermath, you're not going to have the strength unless you have a standard outside of yourself. And we can look to other people, but we're just as, as I don't want to use the word necessarily corrupt, but essentially corrupt. We're, we also have our own standards of what that looks like. And at two in the morning, you're not going to call your coach. And if you do, they're not going to pick up. So who are you going to turn to? I, this was one of the big tippers for me with turning from new age to Jesus was that I knew that anybody, everybody in the height of their anxiety, in the height of their trauma, in their height of their breakdowns, they weren't going to meditate for 30 minutes. They weren't going to start scripting in their journal. They weren't going to go hire somebody to help them. They weren't going to go run laps around their community to boost their dopamine and serotonin. They were going to submit to prayer. That's all they had when they were an empty vessel, when they had nothing left to give or do. And to me, that was universal, whether they had no religion, whether they had a specific religion, even atheists submitted to some form of prayer, even if it was cussing God out for putting them in that position. So we can say we don't believe, but you... At, in your weakest of moments, you believed in something outside of yourself. The good news is, is that he's there for you more than just in your weakest moments. He's blessing you with a breath in your lungs right now. But that doesn't afford you the excuses to just not deal with your life or sit on the couch with your hand out and say, I'm going to manifest this healing. You have to do the work because in it, yeah. like I said, you get refined. You learn, you learn how to communicate, you understand yeah. why you do things, you understand yeah. what's better, you understand what's different. And this is the refining, the refining piece is how is how you're able to sustain any of whatever healing journey you are on, right? Whether it's like mental, whether it's physical, whether it's a weight loss, whether it's whatever it is, it's literally refining. And this literally comes back to the way that I myself built all my programs is to the refine of who that person is. There are like four parts to this, if you will. And I like put this as if you can see it, like I'm making a house. But there is like four, I don't know how we want to call them, but just four parts quadrants. to this. What? Like quadrants or sections. Like quadrants or sections. Yeah, yeah. And in those four, right, which is self-advocacy, transparency, education, and learning to learning to be yourself again, coming coming back to your original self, right? So those are like the four parts of how I build all my programs. And this is why we're allowed to say, you know what, and, and why I'm confident in how I even introduce myself, because it was a big promise to say, wow, as a gut health practitioner, certified nutritionist, like you reverse chronic illness, like Yes, we reverse type 2 diabetes. Yes, we reverse rheumatoid arthritis. Yes, we reverse psoriasis. Yes, we reverse those things, right? Hashimoto's, things like that, right? Where we hear professionals saying like, no, you can never reverse that. No, you, you cannot do that. And yes, you can. Yes, you can. You weren't born besides the, besides the illnesses and the diseases that we are born with, okay? Because there is, okay? But like, like me, okay? But <laughs> But even that it's so, right? 
that yes, I'll always have this 50% liver function. Yes. But the, my trajectory of my life was by the time I was 30, I would have been on dialysis. If I would have gone the way that would have been against my values and my morals, my values and my morals is why I talk about them so often. That's why I, I literally like hone in on that, especially in the last few episodes. I've been really focusing on that is because that's what got me to make the first decision on not taking supplements and on not taking prescription pills was because I wanted two things. I wanted a family and I wanted to have children. And I knew that if I continued that path, then infertility would have been a big issue for me. And a big fear, if you will, of mine is like, I don't want to give my own shots in my belly. Like I just, I don't, like even talking about it kind of gets me the sweats, right? So like, okay, that's a really important point for who I am, right? And again, and I say this with my clients as well. And since we're on the subject, I'm going to say it too. Pain demands to be felt. Pain is like something that we have children, we have toddlers, right? If my son Ellie is like, mom, and I don't pay attention to him, mom, mom, mom. And like by the fifth mom, what's he going to do? He's going to get louder or he's going to get extremely crazy. He's going to be like jumping off the couch, you know, some shape or form to get my attention. Pain works in that same way. And that's where if we get to the point where pain is already screaming at us and not just gently like, hey, psst, by the way, right? Like not whispering to us, then we waited a little bit too long. If we're at the point where we're going to come back to to this metaphor with with my son, right? And he's jumping off the couch and I'm still not paying attention to him. And then he goes outside, butt naked, comes back inside. Like we're talking like the whole nine yards, right? Like crazy things that toddlers do, right? Not only now do, does my son now feel abandoned and not important, but now that built up even more guilt and anxiety for me. Right. So had I listened to him just the first like maybe two times, because let's admit our children say mom every five seconds. Right. So like maybe the second time I've been like, OK, what? Right. And like just, you know, eye contact, do that kind of thing. Right. Are we able to do that with ourselves? And I think that's where you hit another great point about mirroring each other. Like, right. Like you're not going to like stop coming from like the left and the side and maybe just putting your head in the mirror. Like put your whole body in the mirror. Look yourself in the eye and be like, you know what? I can freaking do this. I can do this. I'm going to take radical responsibility and I'm going to do it and I'm going to heal. And this is if, if I can tell you, I don't think there's a pivotal moment. And like, yes, at this moment, I knew that I should be consistent. In my gut health. But what I did know is that I had such terrible relationships that then it, it followed through in my family life. Then I then saw how talking against my family's name was such a terrible thing and putting my family's name out there in that way was such a bad thing that I literally shut down and I said, I can't live life like this. So like I said, I don't know if there if that was like a pivotal moment or whatever, but it just happened so consistently, right? To where I was like, in my life, in my experience of what parenthood is and what being a daughter is and what all these things, it wasn't quote unquote normal. I was I was all the time in the gym and my coach was basically my father because that's that, you know, if, if you're at school for eight hours and then you're at the gym at, for five hours from from six years old until you're 16, that was my home. Right. And I picked up things from there and I learned things from there. Right. But it really just just to kind of like 
do the full circle and come come back to the subject is that these are the these are the people these are the things these are the events and when i came out of that and i was no longer at the gym and i was no longer in school all day every day right and then i went to wayne state and you know i was taking like 18 credits in one semester and i was like yeah like i'm gonna do i'm gonna do six years and four years and like all this stuff right like like i had to prove something to other people because like by god was that one of the most like blah decisions that i have ever made i don't want to say stupid because it really got me to where i am today but it was really a decision that i was like wow i really wanted to prove my parents that like I am worthy because all these other things didn't, right? And so again, coming back coming back to that is like, just look at yourself and just be like, okay, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And I, I remember specifically too, now that now that we're we're talking about this, I remember specifically thinking at one point in time, I was living on my own in in my own condo. And I remember specifically that I was so broke that I couldn't get groceries because that was also a whole nother subject that I was like, I have to eat organic every single day and I have to eat these things or else I'm going to die. Right. Like I literally remember thinking that. And at one point I was like, well, like I'm alone in this condo. Like, OK, well, I can't eat. I'm not a good cook. Lord, pray for me, Lord, because I don't know what else to do. So coming back to that, it's like, yeah. And this this is why I and and again, I'm I don't I don't in, in my religion and in, in what I am. So I'm Greek Romanian Orthodox, okay? And we're, it's very similar to Catholic and it has a few similarities to Judaism, right? And so with that being said, so much in my own religion is very much like you you need to help others and you need to do God's work and all that stuff, right? And that's why I asked about the religion part is because a lot of, especially women, think like, yeah, and I need to help everybody else. But it's, again, we need to very much understand human psychology before we remember and, and know everything else. We need to know we're not, we're, we're not saints. We're not saints, right? So understand who we are as a human species and move on from there. And I say this wholeheartedly as well is whatever you feel like is too much or whatever you feel like you're doing too much, reverse engineer that. If there's a tangible takeaway here, that would be it. So whatever you feel like for like you, Riley, right? It was like, man, like I'm really binging on sweets and like, man, I'm kind of going on this like binging thing, right? So like you saw that as a problem and you pretty much, that's where you started. You didn't start from like, oh, I'm bloating. Oh, I don't like my skin. Oh, right? You were like, oh, this is a problem. Like the physical actions, this is a problem, right? So whatever issue that you feel like you have and whatever action that you're taking and you're like, this is a problem, start there. Stop stop thinking like, no, this is not a place to start. And I think that's that's another thing. Every single place you start, every single thing that you choose to start, start, but just start, okay? Like just start, right? Okay, <laughs> it's a lot. Any Any like, last tangible takeaways, anything like that, that you want to tell us? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest one is if you can talk yourself out of it, you can talk yourself into it. And that applies both ways. So if you can talk yourself into emotionally eating your anxiety away, you can talk yourself out of it. If you can talk yourself out of following through with exercise and nutrition disciplines, you can also talk your way into it. 
And that was something that one of my coaches said to me a few years ago. And I was like, well, you're a B-I-T-C-H. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not talking myself into yeah. emotionally eating. This is just I, my- I've been called that so many times. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. And, and I just wave to them like, thank you. We'll look yes. at that aggression later. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's all right. <laughs> I love that. I so love when, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, that's really important is that whatever is causing you the most amount of pain right now, and this is really just leading off of what you just said, that is where you start. If ex excess spending or you're constantly stressed about debt, because I stress about debt, it's probably because you're excess spending or you're not generating enough money or you're living outside of your means. So whatever your biggest pain point is right now. You don't have to sit and do all the emotional decompression of what am I doing and how yes. am I doing it and what's going on and where did this come from and what is my gut yes. saying, what is my heart saying, what is God saying? Yes. Like, just start with Google. Just, just start. Right. Right. Because you're going to learn something anyways. You're going to learn something Absolutely. anyways. You'll come across somebody's blog. The blog, you'll end up on this podcast so you can listen to it and frivolously take notes and know exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah. You'll end up yeah. somewhere and you'll learn something. And when you learn something, what a lot of people don't realize is you actually form new brainwaves and connections. You see things differently. You feel things in a different way. You experience things in a broader context than you were before. Because when we're in anxiety, when we're in pain, when we're in discomfort, we're seeing it through a very narrow lens. And that's what keeps us in victimhood, in overwhelm, and, and in anxiety, and in the inability to actually do something about it. So when we learn or listen to something different or a different perspective, we can actually empathize in a different way. And when you empathize in a different way, you're going to naturally start applying that to yourself. So when you are looking in the mirror, or when you are having these symptoms, or when you are avoiding or not avoiding the problem that you're facing, you're going to have a new lens to approach it with. And naturally, you're going to, when you start seeing things a different way, typically people actually do really strive for adaptation, even if change causes you anxiety. You can't unsee something that you have seen or learned. And so yeah. when you do that, then it comes back to decision-making, radical honesty, accountability, and responsibility. And then, you know, if testing or coaches or the therapy isn't in your wheelhouse that you can afford right away, honestly... We live in a day and age where there is no excuse aside from testing because you genuinely do need to pay for that to know what's actually going on, which I do recommend people at the very least start putting into their plan to save up for. But there's no reason why you should deal with the things that you deal with if you're taking responsibility and control of your life. Because we live in a day and age where we can access everything me and Jenna have talked about today for free, literally even through this free podcast. So yep. it really comes down to what what do you want to pass on to your kids? And even if you're a woman who doesn't have kids right now, or maybe has found out that she can't have kids, right? There, What do you want to pass on to the people that you surround your life with or the people yeah. who will inevitably be in your future? And I often yeah. say to women too, it's just like, I feel like this needs to be said. Even if someone's told you you can't have kids, please don't settle for that because there is m many other ways in which you can, whether it's through actually healing your body, because that's a huge way that reverses infertility or adoption or fostering 
or just even going out and being a mother to a volunteer center for big brothers and big sisters. Like there's so many ways that you can fulfill that need. And women are, despite what the feminists say, designed to do that because we bring up birth and raise the next generation, even if children aren't biologically yours. Please don't give up on that dream, ladies, because there are actually ways to still fulfill that deep want, like deep, deep want. Unless I honestly say you've been brainwashed otherwise, but you know, I digress. <laughs> this is what I mean, Riley, see eye to eye. <laughs> this is why we say eye to eye, right? Yes, to, to all, to each their own. I will forever say this to each yes. their own. But yes, I there are things that I firmly stand for. So yes. Riley, this has been so beautiful and amazing. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you got going on. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. It's my jam. It's where I spend literally all my time uh, at the Riley June. So Riley, R-Y-L-E-E, June is in the month. And I'm currently running a program that kicks off right away. It's called The Destiny Moment. And it's literally about all the things that we've talked about today, including incorporating fun. So I think we'll have to do an episode on why incorporating fun into your life actually helps you to heal faster. <laughs> I, love I got it. I, I'm just like, yes. I, I love it. I love this. This is perfect. If you are at this part of the episode, we actually want your feedback. This is how this podcast gets pushed after, you know, all the other podcasts and all the other episodes. Let us know what you thought. Hit the download button, hit the follow button and the subscribe let us know what you think. Comment, reach out to me or to Riley. Like, hey, I thought this podcast was really controversial. Or hey, like, like, Jetta, you're a little crazy. You know, whatever it may be, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want to hear your thoughts. Riley, thank you so much for being here. And uh, for everybody here, thank you for being here and for listening all the way through. I appreciate it. And I will see you on the next episode. Have a good day. Bye.